Welcome to episode 370 of the Thunder Underground podcast. Trent here as always. And this week we've got a special one because Jason is returning to the podcast because he and I decided to sit down and watch the Megadeth live stream from Japan earlier this week. And then, of course, talk about it. So that will be coming up here very soon. Jason, this will be his third time back since he departed the podcast in 2021. Always fun to sit down and talk with Jason. I mean, this obviously isn't the third time I've done it, in full disclosure. We're still good friends and we talk all the time, but this is the third time we've sat down on record, I guess, and talked. So we're going to talk all about this Megadeth thing and a few other, you know, random things going on. New albums, that kind of stuff. Before we jump into that, I need to let you know who we're sponsored by. And that would be DEB Concerts, promoter based right here in Tulsa, that has brought tons of great acts to this area, such as Last in Line, Buck Cherry, Great White, Lita Ford, Bisto Blanco, Saxon. The list is great and long. They also started booking shows at the BOK Center, the arena here in Tulsa. Brought in acts like Megadeth, Lame of God, Poison, Tom Kiefer, Ice Cube, Snoop Dogg. And that list continues to grow, as well as the fact that they book the Roadhouse stage every year at Rocklahoma. This year will be no different. The Rocklahoma lineup announcement should be coming here in the coming weeks. Of course, we'll talk about it here like we always do. Probably have Doug Burgess back on at some point, like we do every year, to talk about his stage at Rocklahoma. But until then, hit up their socials, DEB Concerts on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. DBConcerts.com is the website keep up to date on all upcoming stuff and of course we'll keep you up to date here as well sunset tattoo is a tattoo shop located in midtown tulsa their tattoos are done good and proper they're state licensed and they are mother approved 25 plus years of experience from jason thompson and his crew if you check out the socials facebook and instagram are both sunset tattoo tulsa there's tons of photos on there from their work throughout the years all different styles I had a tattoo done by Jason a while back. I had a cover-up actually done that I'm very happy with. I know many other people that have had work by him as well. You need to give a call or a message to set up a time to get in there to talk about what work you're looking to have done. They also accept walk-ins. So go by, hit up Sunset Tattoo, and tell them you heard about him right here on Thunder Underground. Finally, we've got Med Farm, a dispensary located in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, 24683 East Highway 51. Right off the highway, they've got a drive through so if you message or call ahead, you can zip right through that drive through and be on your way. You can also look up their entire selection on Leafly.com before you head in, or just head in because they've got a ton of knowledgeable staff on hand to help you out with whatever you need. Hit them up on their socials because they're always running specials. Facebook, MedFarm, that's P-H-A-R-M. Instagram is MedFarmOK, and the website is MedFarmOK.com. If you tell them you heard about them on Thunder Underground, they'll give you 10% off your first order. On top of all of that, they are cannabis with a cause. 30% of their proceeds at all times are going to build no-kill animal shelters. So hit up Med Farm, wherever you're at, it's worth the drive just for that 30% going to no-kill animal shelters part of this whole thing alone. So hit up Med Farm and tell them you heard about them on Thunder Underground. All right, earlier this week, February 27th, to be exact, Megadeth performed at Budokan in Japan. And why is this significant? Tons of bands have performed in Budokan. Well, first off, Megadeth has never performed there. They performed in Japan many times, but obviously never at that venue. But more importantly than all that is that Marty Friedman returned to stage with Megadeth for the first time in 23 years and played three songs with him. This, of course, was announced beforehand. That's why there was a live stream. Marty Friedman, of course, not the original guitarist of Megadeth, but he was part of the classic, quote-unquote, classic lineup. The lineup most everybody reveres the most, which was, of course, Mustaine with David Ellison, Marty Friedman, and Nick Menza. Nick Menza and Marty Friedman both joined before Rust and Peace came out 
and they were there for rust and peace countdown to extinction. Euthanasia, cryptic writings, risk. And then that's when Marty departed the band. I think Nick, I should have looked that up. I think he was around for one more album, maybe. One or two, but regardless, then Dave attempted to put this classic lineup back together six or seven years ago. I believe it was around like 2016, 2017, maybe. And apparently they were all on board. He had, Elfson was in the band at the time, so he had Marty Friedman and Nick Menz on board. And then something happened in the process where I think it was a money issue if I remember right, where Marty Friedman backed out of the deal. And then eventually Nick Menza didn't come back as well. And then, of course, he unfortunately passed away. But Marty Friedman, like Jason mentions when we talk about this later, you know, these guys all throughout history have talked crap about each other. But they've also, in interviews throughout the years, talked highly of each other. And there was a documentary that preceded this whole thing, which I'm not going to get too much into because me and Jason will talk about here again in a second, but it's like about 45 minutes and it covers, you know, the current four band members of Megadeth traveling to Japan. And I think they were there like six days or so. They played a show in Tokyo two nights before at a smaller venue. And it kind of, you know, shows the lead up to that. And then the rehearsals that Marty was involved in and then has a sit down interview with the four of them with Marty included as well. And Marty speaks very highly of the situation and Marty, you know, of course, after he left Megadeth, he was kind of away from the metal scene for a while. You know, he's in Japan. He was immersed in all that. You know, he has a lot to do with K-pop there and everything else going on in that culture that he is very much a part of now after having lived there for two decades plus. But he stepped back into the metal world here a while back. I think I should have looked that up as well, but a few, within the past few years, you know, he released a solo album that was heavier and he is on tour now coming up this month, actually with Queensryche. Marty Friedman is open for Queensryche here in the States. So if you got a chance to go to any of those shows, you should definitely do it because it's not that often that you get the chance to see Marty Friedman live and in person here in the States. But yeah, so, you know, I thought about going into some other stuff, but really, I'm just going to keep this one short and sweet and to the point, which is the Megadeth live stream. They only come out at night, which Jason and I are going to talk about, but I want to mention, if this is your first time listening or you haven't listened to a lot of episodes or regardless, we've had on members of Megadeth in the past. Actually, one of the bands have probably had the most members on individually, but there's, well, not, I don't know, three different members have been on for a total of four episodes. Current and former bassist James Lomenzo, he was in the band the first time David Elfson left Actually, he wasn't the first replacement, I think, but then he came on shortly and he recorded a couple albums with Megadeth and then he rejoined, I believe in 2021 was whenever all that happened, whenever Elfson was out of the band again, Lomenzo was back. Well, anyway, James Lomenzo was on this podcast, episode 250. We didn't get too much into Megadeth. I think we might have talked a little bit about it, but we talked a lot about John Fogarty and Pride and Glory and all his other stuff throughout the years, because at that point he was still John Fogarty's bassist. But speaking of David Elfson, former and original long-running Megadeth bassist, of course the longest-running member in the band besides Dave Mustaine, Elfson has been on this podcast on episode 156, and more recently episode 287. And finally, Chris Broderick, former guitarist of Megadeth. He's been gone now about, I think it might have been 2015. So coming on eight years, maybe. Because we actually did this interview. It was one of the early ones. 
episode 71. So it was like, I think the second year we were active sometime in 2016, probably active defiance played in Oklahoma city. And we got the chance to interview Chris Broderick. And that's another guy we mean, Jason and I talk about here in this episode coming up. And finally, we did an episode. We had this thing that Jason and I did a lot that I haven't done any since Jason's been gone because I think it kind of defeats the purpose with one person. So maybe that's an idea. You know, I'm saying it out loud how I like to do throughout history here. Say something out loud, then it kind of puts you on the spot of making it happen. But Jason and I should, I should have Jason back again for one of these every album in a row bands that we never got to that we talked about. But it's kind of a thing. We we started it as a YouTube-only thing where we would just stream us talking about a band in their entire catalog. We'd both listen to the their entire catalog over the span of a few days, write down notes, and then sit down and talk about how every album in sequence progressed, you know, how the band changed throughout the years. You know, we did it on Metallica, so of course you've got a lot of changes there in the 90s and early 2000s and then back to where they are now. But we also did it on Kiss, Van Halen, Guns N' Roses. Let me think who else. Pantera. Motley Crue. I know there's several more. Ozzy. And then, of course, Megadeth. Several of these we later put you know, re-released as an episode on the podcast, but this Megadeth one had never been re-released as an episode, which now that I'm saying that loud, maybe I should have just added it to this one and made it a longer episode. But anyway, if you go to YouTube, to the Thunder Underground YouTube channel, you can pull that up. Megadeth every album in a row from probably four or five years ago now. But yeah, with all that being said, Megadeth is... Of course, a name that resonates with heavy metal. It's one of those names that even people, you can go find a hundred random people on the street that don't even listen to heavy metal. And I guarantee you that if they're over the age of 20 20 to 25, that a good majority of those people are going to at least know the name Megadeth. It's like, you know, you've got those names. Metallica. Ozzy Osbourne, Black Sabbath, Iron Maiden, Judas Priest, Metallica, Megadeth, Anthrax, Slayer, you know, the big four. All the legendary bands of metal that even an average person that doesn't even listen to metal would know. So Megadeth is an institution. They're one of those rare bands that have survived all these years with the focal point of one single member. Even though Ellefson has been there a good part of the history of this band. He's obviously not there now, and he's been gone before. And Dave has brought in world-class guitarists repeatedly, and the drummers as well. And every guy that has been there has fit perfectly, in my opinion. I mean, there's been short-lived stuff, like Al Petrelli and everything, but you've got guys like Chris Broderick, and now Kiko, and of course Marty Friedman, and all these guys throughout the years. Chris Poland that are amazing drummers as well. And that's what, you know, the mark of one of those, a band like that to survive with a singular vision has to be surrounded by world-class musicians that not only, you know, fit the bill of the sound, but can also bring in that chemistry and not sound forced. You know, David Coverdale from Whitesnake is another guy that's done that. The same way as well. So yeah, with all that being said, I guess it's time that we should jump into this. So here you go. Here is Jason and I speaking about the Megadeth live stream from February 27th, 2023 at Budokan in Tokyo, Japan. Featuring a guest appearance from Marty Friedman. They only come out at night.
into this Megadeth thing. I'm going to spring this on you. I know you just... You I'm, always do this. <laughs> but no, this is an easy one. Okay. It's not something weird and totally out of the box. But since we're talking about thrash music, you just saw Anthrax. Oh, okay. With Black Label and Exodus. Right. I wasn't there, so I just thought I'd ask you for a quick review or how it was or thoughts on it. It was it was a great show. I ne- I've never seen Exodus before, so it was high time I saw Exodus, and they were amazing. Um, uh, the guitars just and it, what I liked is you know when, when when you have a band when you have got a few bands on a bill, sometimes the opening band doesn't get you know the same kind of sound or the same kind of attention. But man, they were you know they were cutting. Just ripping. They sounded so good. And it was so good to finally see Exodus. Thrash Pioneers. So that was something I definitely needed to mark off my list. Right. And they didn't disappoint. Um, Black Label Society um, was just, uh, you know, not to not to uh, take from that movie, but they were just, you know, everything, everywhere, all at once. Um, yeah, they. I think I. I honestly think they played longer than Anthrax. Um, you know, they had the piano, they had the all the guitar solos, the double guitar solos, the double guitar solos behind the back, the double guitar solos with the tongue. Um, they and they they played a great variety of songs from the cat the the catalog. Um, that was just uh, that was awesome. Was this real quick? Was this co-headlining, or was it like were they supposed to be opening for Anthrax? Yeah, I mean, I, I think th- on the bill they were a little bit smaller, right? Yeah, they're always okay. under Anthrax because yeah. I think it's Anthrax's 40th anniversary, right? But at the same time, I get it. You want to pair with a, a good band that can fill seats, yeah. And everyone and their mother that was there had a had a Black Label Society shirt on, right? You know, so there you go. Anthrax was great. They sounded amazing. You know, uh, the the um the set list was kind of samey kind of generic because it is a 40th anniversary thing um i would have liked a couple of newer songs i mean they did in the end but i would have liked some songs from for all kings um or you know i i don't know i or like some really older i would have loved to hear them uh you know medusa or something yeah aiR but I don't make the set list. It was a, I, and I hadn't seen Anthrax in a while, so it was amazing. Um, they played only, so that was great. Uh, you know, I think Joey Belladonna is an amazing singer, but I just don't think he sounds good doing John Bush stuff. No. Um, and I, I don't think that's a knock on him. I just don't think that's his thing. You know, it's like when he did the Am I Evil on the Big Four. He didn't sound good on that. Yeah. And it's not because he sucks. It's just I don't think that's his thing. I don't know. Right. But like on all the, all the other Anthrax songs, it was just spot on. Right. So it was a good, it, it, it was a good evening. It was a great evening. Um, you know, they didn't even, but still, I think BLS was before them and I think they played longer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, and I don't know, maybe that's by design. Who knows? Yeah. But it, it it was a great package, a great tour package, and uh, so there you go. But yeah, I, I knew whenever you have me back on these things, you always spring something on me. So I knew you were <laughs> going to do that. Thank you. Well, my follow up question was about only because I looked at the set list, mm-hmm. but you kind of answered it. So right because I mean I think I've seen that once where they did it. I think it was the one we went to in Wichita. Okay, um, with Testament. I don't know. It's I know so they did it I then, but remember. I think that might be the only time I've seen them do it. And mm-hmm. it just, like you said, it just doesn't, it doesn't feel right. Not that it, <clears throat> it doesn't connect as much as, yeah. you know. And I, again, it's not because. But yeah, I mean, if he had, if he had been up there singing, you know, Number of the Beast or Don't Stop Believing, it'd sound fucking perfect because it's just right. where his voice fits, you know. Right. I just, I don't know. It just doesn't seem right. But at the same time, I. I do want, you know, especially if they're going to do a career retrospective set list, 
I get it. They need to cover oh, that. Oh, true, yeah. So, so I, maybe, maybe I shouldn't be so critical. I don't know, but yeah. that's, that's what it is. <laughs> and Come, it was on Valentine's Day, right? Yes, it was on Valentine's Day. Uh, Melissa and I had a lovely, um, thrash metal fucking, uh, you know, Valentine's experience. So there you go. Did any of the bands mention it? I um, him on stage. Oh yes, yeah. Scotty Ian said something about you know all the lovers out there. This is I don't know some I don't know yeah something like that. I can't remember. Right, of course. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next up the Nixons. God damn it! <laughs> we'll get to Megadeth, I promise. But it's another one, you know. I've seen the Nixons. This this was your first time since like the nineties, right? Yes, or it way was. back it was because I've seen them a couple times in recent years, but it's still been a. Now at least it was pre-pandemic right. since I seen him. So, well, we saw we saw him at the Duncan Theater in Cushing, Oklahoma. It was great. I mean, it was uh, you know they did, they did all the stuff that you want them to do, which let's be honest is pretty much almost all of FOMA, right? Uh, but they did New Orleans or Baton Rouge, excuse me, <laughs> New Orleans. My God, they did something in between there. Yeah, something in between. <laughs> they you know they did Blackout from. The third record. Oh wow! Uh, but they they sounded great. They looked like they were having fun. Um, it was just a it was a great show. It was a great fun show. Uh, it made me feel a lot of stuff. It made me feel like I was twenty four again. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it and it just and they played a lot of their new stuff. You know, they played Crutch. Oh, um, you know, Song of the Year. They play Favorite Lies. Uh, I don't know. I can't, I have to look at that, but they didn't, uh, but it was just, um, it was a great show. They wanted to be there. They gave it their all. And, um, it was just good to see, it was good to see so much passion, you know, no pun intended, put into, put into the show. Um, this isn't just a, this isn't just a, oh, let's get back together and make some money. I don't know. Maybe it is, but they definitely, they sure as hell seem to enjoy it. And they seemed to, you know, really dig being around each other. So it was, it was really cool. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. You know, you mentioned that bringing up old memories because the times I've seen them, it's like this stuff, especially from FOMA and from, um, why am I drawing a blank? Isn't it the self-titled the album before FOMA? The one oh, the before the uh, one they released here that had most of the songs in it. The Halo album. EP, yeah, Halo. Well, not the EP, the the full album. Right. That they okay. released here. My mistake. But anyway, um, BP was six. That's right. That's what I'm thinking of. I'm re- sorry. Regardless, Fellowship, all that stuff on there. It's mm-hmm. like it doesn't sound dated, but when you hear it, it instantly takes you back to oh, of course. that moment in the 90s. Yeah, know? totally. So, Of course. And um, and like you mentioned, if anyone hasn't heard their new stuff, it's great. Uh, it they is got a new great. one out called Kaleidoscope. Yes. Oh, they did that. Yes, yeah. they did that one. Okay. Um, and, uh, it, it was just such a fun show. And that theater is really cool. It's a really cool place to see a show. They put a lot of work into it. So yeah, it was a, it was a fun night. Cool. And bass player Ricky Brooks has been on this podcast before. Yes. We talked to him. Actually, incidentally enough, I believe it was yesterday. See, the yesterday or the day before in the past two days. I saw my Facebook memories of when that episode came out. Really? Yeah. It was awesome. like four years ago today, nice. yesterday or something. So, nice. <laughs> so we're getting a good ways away from some of these, but you know. Right. We're still here, so. <laughs> All right, so Megadeth. Yes. This was called They Only Come Out at Night, and they just did this live stream. When and we watched it. Monday, it was, well, I guess the official live live stream was here in America. For us, Central Time was, what, three or four in the morning? Right. You know, because it was a live stream from Japan. So then they ran, of course, rebroadcast, and we just finished watching it here. I guess first, my initial thought is, I mean, it kind of what you said about Anthrax, you usually know what you're going to get from a Megadeth show. Yeah. There's three or four songs in there that'll get switched out, like She-Wolf or... You know, angry again. Those kind of things would come and go. Mm-hmm. But you're getting a standard set list. But of course, the big hype and the reason we got this live stream. Yes. In a day and age when you can see any Megadeth live show on YouTube, you know, it's because Marty Friedman was there. Of course. What was your initial thought? 
Um, my initial thought was, I mean, well, it's Megadeth. It's one of our favorite bands forever, so it was great. Um, they haven't done much to the set list uh, this cycle. I mean, you know, I saw them back in about almost a year ago, and uh, it's pretty much the same thing. I think they added some stuff because Marty Friedman came. You know, they added Countdown to Extinction. First of all, like, you know, they kind of, of course, you've got to have Peace Cells because that's one of your biggest songs. But that's really the only kind of early Megadeth that you kind of see. The, you know, like any, the first three albums. Yeah, yeah, the first three albums. Or like um, you said, In My Darkest Hour sometimes. Every now and then, yes, you In My Darkest there. Hour or something. Yeah. But I mean, but at the same time, I get it, you know. Rust in Peace was such a huge record. Um, Countdown. Countdown was such a big record. And then even like, even stuff like Dystopia was just nominated for a Grammy, so they're going to yeah. do some stuff. And, you know, uh, Cryptic Writings, that had some hits on it. Euthanasia did. Euthanasia did. So they're going to do that stuff. And honestly, I like, I really like that stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, so you're going to hear more of that. that the set list is going to be weighted that way. So, and that's kind of what you saw. Yeah. And then the Marty Friedman stuff was great. Yeah. Um, what do you say? They did Countdown and Extinction, uh, Tornado of Souls, and Symphony of Destruction, Destruction with Marty Friedman, and it was awesome. Yeah. You know, it was just like, uh, it was kind of a full circle thing. Yeah. Well, like you mentioned, Countdown and Extinction, that was not... Has that been in a set list at all, or is this? I don't, I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, I don't remember seeing. I mean, I, look, play I looked back a few shows, but yeah, it it, it wasn't. You know, I, I guess I could go back. I mean, I've seen Megadeth several times in the last decade. You know, right? And I don't remember them ever playing it. Yeah. So, if you had said what three songs do you think they're going to play with Marty Friedman, that definitely would not have been one oh, of their picks. Yes, I yes, I was surprised. I would not think that Countdown to Extinction would be one of them. Yeah. So. And that in and of itself was cool. Yeah, I mean, you initially think, you know, you're going to have, if it's three songs, a couple from Rest in Peace and one right. from Countdown, or maybe the other way around, which is what it was. We knew Hanger probably not one of them, because that's what they open with anymore. Yes. And then I just assumed probably Holy Wars would be, because that's kind of like the big staple of the show now. But right. that was the ending, and he wasn't a part of that. But Tornado of Souls, the fact that he was a part of that, in this live show was great, you know. Yes, and I, I know and, we agree. That's my favorite song off of "Rest in Peace." I think you said yours as well. And he and he, yeah, and he fucking nailed that solo. So good, dude. Yeah, yeah. And that's another thing to wonder. Like, you know, this is the first time he's performed with them. I was it twenty three years. Is that right? Is that I think so. Time? Yeah, because I I was thinking he left in like two thousand one, but it must have been two thousand or the last time he played. You doubt that. You know, knowing the stuff that he's done since, and how he separated himself from metal for quite a while, right, right. That I doubt he's played any of these riffs in the past twenty three years. Oh no, yeah, he definitely he probably had to do. He might at some point just something randomly for someone that asked. Yeah, I'm (laughs) sure he had to do some woodshedding, which is nothing for Marty Friedman. He's an amazing guitar player, so he could probably just sit there for an evening and you know have it all come back to him. Yeah, but you know, well, you know, while you were talking there a minute ago, I looked through a couple of different set lists. They haven't played Countdown to Extinction. Okay, that's what I thought. So to hear that is really, that's really a gem in the set list, I think. Yeah. And that is, that is, uh, um, I, I think I, and I told you while we were watching this, it was one of my favorite songs from that record. And it's like a fun song to play in the guitar. Um, so that was really cool to see him do that. My guess is like we talked about during the show, I bet it's probably, I mean, it was probably his choice. Yeah, right. Yeah, who knows? I mean, I guess. I mean, it's a song that hasn't been in a set list. Yep. You know, yep. so. And I assume that if, you know, they're bringing him out, Dave's bringing him out, he's probably, besides Symphony of Destruction, the, you know, being obvious, you know, is the biggest hit they have. Yeah, yeah, totally. That I would assume he'd probably let him pick the other couple songs, so. But yeah, the whole thing as a whole, you know, is this really cool? Because it's not something that, I mean, bands do it. But, you know, at this scale, it doesn't happen a whole lot. Yeah. And especially a band like Megadeth, it's yeah. had so many members come and go. But in the grand scheme of things, 
outside of the obvious, David Elfson, you know, being gone now, there's only two guys that the world would really want to come back and one of them's dead, you know, so it's like he's the only guy that yes. they could bring back and it means something. You know? Well, do you think that, do you think that, well, let me just be, let, let me just be a jerk here. Do you think that like Dave, one of Dave's motivations was like, oh, I really want to just stick it to Dave Ellison and have Marty back for a few songs? <laughs> I doubt it. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's probably, that's probably there, but you know, it's like, I assume it's, you know, the Dave thing is like, hey, we're going to Japan. Everybody loves Marty here and this is where he's at. Yeah. This will be a good opportunity to make a lot of money. (laughs) Right. Well, and, you know, and that's the thing is, that's another thing. Um, I I wouldn't have been so, it it was in Japan. So I'm like, you know, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, He lives in Japan. The guy probably speaks Japanese more than he does English. Yeah. So I get it. So this is a great thing for him, you know. So yeah, there you go. Yeah, and he had said, "Well, preceding this live stream, if you get a chance to watch it, it's only by the time you're listening to this, you probably don't have a chance." Yeah, it's probably going to be gone. It ends, but do not worry, as everything goes, like in a month or two, it'll be on YouTube. Yeah, and even but preceding the thing was like a 45 minute, you know, documentary about the few days leading up to it. Yes. Dave even mentioned, you know, the chance to, you know, see this, stream it, and then get it on DVD or something, the way he worded it. Mm-hmm. So, I'm assuming they'll probably release this as a special thing. Right. And like you said, it all ends up available at it some point It all anyway. ends up on YouTube anyways. Um, Always does. But I had read, preceding this, I read a few different, you know, articles about it and everything. And most of it was just same shit we know, but one of the articles was talking about, I think it was actually... With Dave Mustaine talking about Marty Friedman and said that in the nineties they were they got booked to play Budokan. Yes, and then I think he mentioned that, that yes. in the documentary. And then he said something happened where I think it was like booked out of their control or something. Dave said their former manager booked a bunch of shows and that was one of them. And then he got pissed and so they canceled them all because right. they weren't. It was like conflicting with something. Right. And Marty Friedman's dream even before. I guess he ended up officially moving to Japan was to play Budokan. Budokan, yeah. And then, it, so Dave said this is kind of a full circle thing to be able to right. play and it, Budokan their first time and have Marty Friedman be a part of it. And I'm glad you brought that up because I forgot about that. And you're totally right. Yeah, I think that was one of the, that was another factor. Like, you know, Marty always wanted to play Budokan with Megadeth. We never got to. Let's do this. Yeah. So, again, it was just a, that was a cool thing to see. Yeah. It really was. Yeah, speaking of Budokan, if I was in any band playing Budokan, I would start every show with by saying, I want you to want me. Exactly. I've, well, and that's funny. my whole life, when funny. I hear the word Budokan, the first thing I think of is, yeah. Cheap trick, I want you to want me. Well, and that's funny. Is <laughs> today at work, we were talking about Wayne's World when they were talking about like albums that you were issued in the, like, Cheap Trick Live at Budokan and, you know, um, uh, God, what was the other one? Oh, yeah. Frampton Comes Alive. Weren't yeah. you issued that in the 70s? Yeah. So it's funny that you mention that. Because it's true. It's yeah. totally true. <laughs> and, and, yeah. When I, mean, I was a kid, like, you know, really getting into music, and you'd hear that, and they'd say it's from Live at Budokan, when I was like, you know, 10 or 12 or something. Right. I thought Budokan was a place. Like yeah. a country. Like a city or like a country. In, like it's almost right. a city somewhere yeah. over there in Asia or something. I didn't realize it was just a venue in Japan. But... It was the world famous venue. Yes. Yeah. Right, right, right. <laughs> you know, kind of along the same subject. You know, I mean, we all know that Kiko was like an insane fucking guitar player. Of course. Just like any player that's been in Megadeth. Do you think Marty Friedman's the best guitarist that's ever been in Megadeth? Or is it... I mean, I I know we all know that that's our favorite lineup. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure there's people that aren't. The majority of people are going to say that Friedman Nick Menza lineup is their favorite lineup. But I actually I brought this up because I was looking at one of the posts yesterday where people had watched it, and someone's like, "Chris Broderick played it better when they were talking about the Tornado of Souls solo," and someone's like, "Well, yeah, Broderick and Kiko both technically played it better, but it doesn't sound better." It goes back to the whole who's got more soul and who got more feeling type thing. Yeah, I mean, and that's totally the the truth. It yeah. really is. Yeah, I mean, 
for me, if you're going, if you're going to go on just like complete technical skill and talent and everything, Chris Broderick is probably the best. But no one's gonna, no one's gonna play those solos like Marty Friedman, yeah, or Jeff Young, or you know, um, Chris Poland. No one, you know, that's just sorry, not gonna happen. But yeah, I mean, and Kiko is probably, I think, probably second. But Chris Broderick, technically, is probably the best guy that was ever in Megadeth. The best lead player. So, yeah. But at the same time, for me, that doesn't mean anything. It's it's the, the, the heart and soul of the player. Yeah. So, when it comes to, you know, when we saw Marty Friedman playing Tornado of Souls up there a few minutes ago, that was the best you're going to see it. Yeah. It really is. Yeah, you gotta wonder like what Kiko, what Kiko's thinking when he's standing behind him while he's playing that. Yeah, yeah, he's <laughs> is he thinking like, "Oh, this is fucking amazing to see this," or it's like, "I do this better," or it's like, "Oh crap, maybe this is, <laughs> or maybe this is gonna become a thing." You know, it's like, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Who, who knows? Who knows? Because here, and the like day we after, saw, yeah, yeah. We we'll go ahead. That's exactly where okay. we were both going. The headline where Friedman had said, "You know, the door is open for more Which, stuff in the future." Which, to me, is great. We know that. Whatever. And, yeah, that's probably going to happen more in the future. Let's just be honest. But it's like what we, what you and I talked about, like, when I first got here. It's like, it's so crazy how all these dudes, the Dave Mustaine and all the past members of Megadeth, in the press and in books and stuff, have just completely talked smack on Megadeth. Or, no, excuse me, talked smack on each other. Yeah. And just completely cut each other down. And then to see that little documentary beforehand of Marty and Dave being so nice to each other, it's like, huh? <laughs> like just a couple of years ago, you guys were just killing each other in the press. Yeah. It's like, what's really going on? But at the same time, it doesn't matter because they're there up on stage doing it. So whatever. Yeah. You know, it's it's none of our business. Yeah, I mean, they, they'll, they'll write a book and make it our business because we read it. But right. Whatever, you know. I mean, there's guys, all the, not all the time, but there's, you know, situations. Well, like David Olson, you know, way back when, sued him and then came back to the band. Got back were, in the band. So, yeah, yeah, anything can happen, really. You know, I mean, what, the same thing's going on with Journey, you know. It's like they're out there touring in the middle of a lawsuit. In the middle, yeah. So, you know, who like, knows? But then again, that's yeah, that's probably- a you know that's a great point. You're right. You're yeah. totally right. Who I mean, it doesn't matter. Well, and that's like, um, I you know I I talk with like dudes at work who oh I loved this band back in the '80s, and you know and I'm like, well, I'm going to see them next week. And they're like, oh, they're still around, <laughs> and I have to explain to them it. They're yeah, they're all still here. They're all still around. It doesn't matter. <laughs> right. And I was like, foreigner has nobody. And they're still touring. Leonard Skinner has nobody. And they're still touring. I mean, it doesn't matter. So, yeah, we probably shouldn't think about this too much. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they never go away. But if Megadeth didn't have Dave Mustaine, they probably wouldn't go on. But you never know. Right, 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 right. right. <laughs> you never know. Yeah. Maybe that hot daughter of his, Electra, will do something. You know, take over. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> So Marty Friedman's got a tour coming up now with uh, Queen Drake. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. They're coming to Dallas. Yeah, and that's all here happening this month. Yeah, right. So, yeah. but yeah, I don't know. Kind of short and sweet. But anything else to mention about this or that? No, no, I think it's good. Yeah, I think we covered. I hope we covered it all. Yeah. With got all the opinions in we wanted to. Right. I mean, it was a fun. Sh- I mean, it's one of those things. I think. I might have more opinions if it was someone I haven't seen in person live and, you know, watch shows I've live a million times in my life. Right. Right. <laughs> if it's someone I've only seen a few times and I might have more to say, but it's kind of like, oh, I've seen this a million times. So it just feels yeah. like, you know, we didn't even mention James Lomenzo. It's cool that, you know, we've talked about that, but it's cool he's back. Right. And he's been on the show. Yeah. And it, and it is, you know, you never want to see original members depart, but at least Lomenzo came back. Yeah. So, I mean, he's 
former and current <laughs> bass player of Megadeth now. Mm-hmm. He's, like you said, been on the podcast. Also, former and original bass player David Elfson's been on here twice. Yes. And Chris Broderick, who we talked about a minute ago, right. has been on here. And, you know, we, we, have, we have seen a lot of these different lineups of Megadeth. And a uh, total side note, but Chris Broderick is officially a member of In Flames now. Yes. And they've released their best album in 20 years. Oh, my God. So, what well, does that, that tell you? Maybe, maybe it's that's, him. <laughs> that's their best record since Regroup to Remain. You think? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah I think so. That's probably Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, I've listened to that record. I've listened to that record more since it came out than any In Flames in the last 20 years. Yeah. And that's the truth. Yeah. So, oh. The, I forgot the name off the top of my head of the album. It came out like two years ago, two or three years ago. That one was like really good, but it still had a few of those. Mm-hmm. It was like a mixture of like where we're at now with this new one. Right. And where they'd been there for those last couple albums, you know, and they kind of like transitioning back, I guess, to the melodic mm-hmm. death or whatever it's called. Right. Well, so, you know, I read an interview with uh, Anders Frieden the other day. I really liked what he said is like, you know, what the question was, you know, how, how, this is kind of a return to your thing and blah, 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 blah. And he said, you know, well, I mean, I guess, but we really don't look at it that way. We just kind of go where we're going. And then he said something like, it's it's not my place to worry about where you're at on your musical journey. You know? You mean a fan? Yeah, a fan, oh, yeah. yeah. You know, we're doing what we're doing. If 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 you're not getting it, then that's fine. But if you do get it, that's fine. And I like that, you know, because yeah. I'm always, it, and even if I don't like it, I'm always like, well, you got to do what you got to do as an artist. Yeah. You know, it's kind of the Henry Rollins thing. It's like, I'm not making a set list for you. I'm making a set list for me. If you don't like it, you can leave. Right. You know, and, and I, I, I adhere to that and I understand that. Yeah. Cause that's, that's the only way you're going to get the truth and the best. And, and, you know, the honest, pure thing from the artist. Yeah. So there you go. And as a Metallica fan, you had to believe that. Because you went through that period where they're doing shit that they're doing what they want, you know? And I stuck by them, <laughs> damn it. Yeah. And I stuck by them. Yeah. Kind of yeah. like I stuck by the Astros when they sucked, okay? Hey, I'm there with you. And I, di- I did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hey, I I bought Chinese Democracy the day it came out. I, I don't blame you. I yeah. would too. That's your that's your most favorite band. Why wouldn't you? Right. You know. Yep. Go on that journey. Yeah. <laughs> well, any other random new music you want to mention before we shut this thing down? Yeah. Um. The new Robin McCauley album is amazing. Oh, yeah, he was just on this podcast less like a month ago, right? Talking yeah. about this album. If if you need a melodic hard rock uh, AOR fix, this is where you need to go. Yeah. I love this record. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah, it's so, I mean, I kind of talked about it a little already on that episode, but like he, it's, I mean, the, the last album, Standing on Edge, you know, it sounded like this, but this is heavier, you know. Right, right, right. It's just got more kind of attitude to it and just darkness, I guess. But at the same time, like I said, it's like melodic and it sounds mm-hmm. what you know from Robin McCauley. But like, especially that song feels like hell, you know, when it starts, you know, and then there's the growling in it. You're right. like, you would never think yeah. this is a Robin McCauley song. Exactly. You didn't know until his voice kicks in. Yeah. I, I heard that song twice today. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Because I even mentioned that in the interview with him and he said the growl was his son. In case you really? Yeah. Oh wow! But he's like he wanted something on there to like you know to give it that you know yeah even that edge. heavier edge right. you know but but yeah and we got new Metallica coming out this week tomorrow I mean a new well a new, new song single. comes out tomorrow the third third single yes. from the new album if darkness had a sun oh no like uh, how's that spelled S O N oh okay because I'm like that could go either way with the couldn't it with the darkness and the sun exactly <laughs> so the first. We talked about the last time you were on here when we did the best of ninety two thing. Yep. We talked about um God why am I drawing a blank on the fucking the first song that came out? Lux Eterna. Yeah. We talked about that, but then we didn't talk about Screaming Suicide. Screaming Suicide, which is out now. Or right. came out like probably what, a month and a half ago now? Yep. So where did you stand on that? Do you like it better than Lux Eterna? No, I think Lux Eterna is better. Yeah. I love Screaming Suicide and it's got that. Uh, it's got that hardwired mixed with like, 
you know, new wave of British heavy metal vibe. Yeah. Which is cool, but I still think Lux Turn is better. Yeah. So, there you go. Yeah. So, it'll be interesting to hear what kind of yes. track we get with this third one. Yep. Well, they previewed it on TikTok. Oh, really? Like a 30-second deal or something? Well, they did a thing where, like, they just had the first, like, maybe 40 seconds, and then they asked people, hey, duet with this. You know, people play over it and shit. Oh. And then today, they released a whole minute and 20 version of it on TikTok. Just like the intro. So, um, make of it what you will. Did you listen to it? Yeah, I did. Oh, okay. I mean, it sounded cool, but you can't really get a lot of, uh, when we get off of this, I'll have you dial it up or something. We'll listen to it. It's a minute and 20 long. No big deal. All right. Well, I appreciate you. Thanks for having me. Joining me once again. I appreciate it. There you go. Huge thank you to Jason for making his way back to the podcast once again. Like I mentioned earlier, this was his third time back since he departed in the summer of 2021. He came back in spring of 2022 when we did a Taylor Hawkins tribute episode. Check that one out if you have not. It was a an unfortunate one, but of course a good one, I believe. And then not that long ago in December, Jason returned and we had our best of 1992, like a 30-year later look back because both of us have been fans of 1992 for a long-ass time. Of the, you know, fans of 1992. Fans of that year, because it was such a cool... Listen to the episode, but it's such a cool transitional year, you know, where you had, you know, the heyday of glam and all that stuff was ending, but there were still bands putting out great music, like Warrant and Ugly Kid Joe, and even smaller bands like Firehouse. But then you had... The grunge in there, putting out albums like Alice in Chains, you know, of course, in Stone Temple Pilots, you know, debut was that year. And then you had the stuff like Jackal and some blues stuff as well that was creeping in throughout that year. It was just a, a, just a big kind of melding year. And of course, the whole mid-90s became that way with rock radio after grunge, everything started becoming this big mix. But the point is, I got on a total tangent right here, but... Check out that episode where we look back at 1992. So then Jason returned again here for this episode to talk about Megadeth, which is something we have done many, many times throughout the history of this podcast. Like I mentioned before, check out those episodes, the two episodes with David Elfson, the episode with James Lomenzo, and the episode with Chris Broderick. Get on YouTube, check out the Megadeth Every Album in a Row episode. And then, I mean, there's so much more you can check out. The most recent episode here a couple weeks ago was Robin McCauley. Here at the end of that talk me and Jason just had, Jason mentioned how much he loves that album. I love it as well. If you have not heard the new album from Robin McCauley called Alive, check it out and check out this episode where he talks all about it. It's a fucking great album. Before that, the week before that, Todd Kearns from Slash featuring Miles Kennedy and Conspirators was on here. Justin Foley from Killswitch Engage was on here about a month ago. Millie Miljinko Matajevic from Steelheart was on this episode. Was on this episode. Was on this podcast earlier this year. Was absolutely stoked to have that one happen. Josie Scott, the original singer of Saliva, was on here late last year. We also had on Simon Daniels, the current vocalist of Autograph. R.J. Hill, the drummer for Hellstorm. Russell Allen, the voice of Symphony X, Adrenaline Mob. He's also part of Trans-Siberian Orchestra. John Waite last summer, Michael Monroe last summer, James Durbin, Frank Cannon of Tesla returned last year for the fourth time. Damon Johnson returned last year for the sixth time. I believe he's now the most common guest on this podcast. Jim Wilson of Motor Sister. LeJean Witherspoon of Seven Dust, John Connolly of Seven Dust. Speaking of Megadeth, we've also had on Alex Skolnick of Testament. We've had on members of Death Angel and Battlecross, Toxic Holocaust, Heavy Stuff, Super Joint, Dee Snyder of Twisted Sister, Kirk Winstein of Crowbar and Down, Kenny Hickey of Typo Negative, Tommy Victor of Prong, Paige Hamilton of Helmet, Jeff Tate, formerly of Queensryche. All... 
The list is great. The list is long. Check it out. TheThunderUnderground.com. You can listen there. You can also find all the socials there. So like, follow, comment, subscribe, whatever. Wherever podcasts are heard, you can probably find this. If not, you can just hit Google and find it wherever you're listening right now. Hit like or subscribe so you don't miss future updates. Coming up very soon, next episode, Eric Frazier of Corvus Lore will be joining this podcast. Did a recent interview with him, which is pretty fun, so be looking forward to that. We've got a couple others scheduled that I'll announce as soon as they happen. And of course, there's always stuff that just pops up randomly. This weekend, Jerry Cantrell will be in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So if you're out there, I should be out there. Say hey, say what's up. I've also got other great shows here coming this month. I'm trying to think what else. I know uh, later this month in the Tulsa area, the Emerald Cities Tour with Nonpoint and Blacktop Mojo and Sumo Psycho is coming to the Vanguard in Tulsa. I'm going to try to beat it at that one as well. Alter Bridge with Mammoth WVH will be at the Diamond Ballroom in Oklahoma City on March 15th. April, tons of great stuff, but I'll be out of town for work the majority of that month. But anyway, now I'm just kind of getting off on a random tangent. All right, let's just wrap this thing up. Megadeth, they only come out at night. If you didn't get a chance to check it out, the opportunity to watch it on demand is now closed. But you know how this stuff goes. I'm pretty positive Megadeth will release this in an official capacity. Because why wouldn't they with Marty Friedman coming back? And even if not, like Jason said, you'll find it on YouTube here and eventually anyway. So, if you missed it, don't fret and you'll get your chance. And once again, a huge thank you to Jason for returning once again. And as always, a huge thank you to Medfarm, DB Concerts, Sunset Tattoo. And until next time. You've been great. We've been Thunder Underground. How about that? <laughs> That's perfect. Thunder Underground, y'all. <laughs> <laughs>